I would say there's no perfect body composition because everybody is different. So we work with them. We like to know what they, what they feel comfortable, which weight they're feeling comfortable, which body fat percentage they're feeling comfortable at. And we're working around this to make sure they're the best athlete possible when they jump on the ace. Welcome to the Super Sports Mom Podcast, a place for all moms of many and mighty athletes to get support and insights into the world of sports. This is your place to learn, grow, and laugh. I am a sports dietitian, former elite athlete, and newbie sports mom, inviting you to adventure together. This podcast is sponsored by Eat This for Performance, the home of champions. Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of the SSM podcast. I am your host, Pearl Narenberg, the sports dietitian here at Eat This for Performance. I am excited for this episode because I know a lot of people are working on their body composition, that is trying to gain muscle mass, trying to lose body fat, and you're going to get some insights and support here in this interview from someone who works at the highest level. Unless you live under a rock in Montreal, chances are you follow, whether you intend to or not, the fate of the storied hockey franchise, the Montreal Canadiens. Les Canadiens de Montréal is how they are called here in French. Now here at ET4P head office, we are excited to welcome in the head strength and conditioning coach of Les Canadiens, Mr. Patrick Delisle-Eude. Now, Patrick is a former elite hockey player, and he started his elite hockey career playing in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League before choosing studies and uh, playing at McGill. While captaining the McGill University Redmond, Patrick was completing his bachelor degree in kinesiology and learning all the fine details, and then went on to learn the very pointed details when he um, implemented research in physical conditioning and hockey during a master's degree. During that time at McGill, Patrick became a certified strength and conditioning specialist, which has now led him to be the strength and conditioning coordinator with one of these most historical teams in the NHL. We were super thrilled to have Patrick come and share with us some insights. He shared with us how body composition is looked at at the pro sport level, something if you are aiming for the pro sport level, you will want to listen to. He shared with us some simple but clear direction around muscle gains at different ages and stages. So ears open if you are 14 years old versus 22. And he gives us that important information for, um, because this is Super Sports Moms podcast, for my moms, what younger athletes can focus on. So I encourage you to listen to this one completely and go back and re-listen if, and share if you think that somebody who is working on their body composition needs to hear these messages. And when I say body composition, I mean that body fat, muscle mass, and all those measurements that can trip you up. Well, I do want to mention before we get started that we are tackling the measurements and beyond here at Eat This for Performance. We do not want body fat, muscle mass, and all those measurements to trip you up. May 6th, we will be setting you on a path to master body composition talk for life and use it to your advantage to map your performance body. 
you can sign up for our free professionally guided five-day challenge by going to go.et4p.com slash challenge. That is go.et4p.com slash challenge. All right, let's listen to what Patrick and I chatted about when it comes to a body composition in sport. Patrick, welcome to the SSM podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here today. It's a pleasure to be here. Today, we are going to really dig deep into some um, important topics that I want people to know about, and I want people to know how it's occurring at the highest level of sport, because you are working with pro athletes, which I think is pretty cool. Yes, yes, it is pretty nice. It's always a neat experience. All right, so how did you get there? Before we launch into our important topic, I, I, I'm sure people are dying to know a bit about who you are. And how did it all start for you? And how did it get to working with a, a top pro team? Uh, well, I played, uh, I played hockey, BG uh, Junior. Then I decided to go to school at McGill, keep playing hockey over there. But while I was uh, with the McGill team, I did my undergrad in kinesiology, then my master in exercise physiology, having a focus on hockey players, looking at their physical condition as well as their body composition. And while during this time, I started working with the Montreal Canadian. Then after that, they started a sports science department and I got hired as their strength and conditioning coach. Oh, wait, that is a very fast forwarded version, but it's pretty cool. I know there's going to be some uh, background there that I want to back up to. So you played high level hockey. Yeah, I did play. Uh, well, yeah, we can call it high level. I played major junior three years in Ramuski, one year in Moncton. Okay. And I pursued my career at McGill where I played five years. Okay. Is there, was there ever a point where you aspired to play at the pro level? Uh, well, obviously, Major Junior, I think every kid that played there uh, hoped to get a chance to have a camp or to try out somewhere to play pro. Then when I finished my Major Junior career, I decided that it was enough for me. And, well, not enough for me, but like that will focus more on my future career. And I took school very seriously while I was able to keep playing at a university level, which is a very good level as well. Yeah, that is something I noticed in your bio, uh, reading up on you, is that you seem to have a lot of academic honors throughout. Yeah, uh, well, I got honors because obviously, uh, uh, because of my performance from um, major junior in hockey and as well in school, when you do, you do both well, you get rewarded at some point, which is great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, at university, it was the same thing. I got honors from uh, the hockey team and as well from uh, just just school, just school-wise, which was great because it helps a lot. Well, because I'm not from Montreal, from Quebec City, so it was helping with all the apartment stuff, rent, grocery shopping. Yeah, because while you're on your way to making it, whatever career it ends up being, you got to pay for all that. Like, you got to be paying for your rent and your and your food. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you you got to be ready to invest. You got to be ready to invest if you want to re be rewarded at the end. I think it's the same thing as a young occupier. If you want to be rewarded at the end, you got to invest in your early career and work hard, take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, it was a good experience. It was a great learning experience and you just move on. So how did your experience as a, like an elite athlete with some of those aspirations, how did it like help you with your next career? Well, I think uh, being a, being an athlete and especially a varsity athlete, which is at the, at the university level, 
it gives you a lot of like work headaches. It, it shows you how you need to manage, manage a schedule, then uh, you go on and it helps you a lot in your future career. And it shows you how to work in team, which is very, very important as well. Mm-hmm. You work well, obviously you work on a team now. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, different specialties and the people that are part of your team now? Yeah, we do have a big, we have a big team. Uh, we're two uh, full-time in our uh, department, which is a sports science department, but we got a bunch of other people are working with us. We've got a medical department. And at the end, the main goal is to make the team win. So we're all part of the same team. So we, there's a big communication between us and we're working together every day, basically uh, most big, big part of the day. So when you played uh, in the major juniors, did you have any of those services or is it like it's it's a huge jump, right, from from those two levels? Uh, I would say I was fortunate enough to get in great organization, like Rimouski and Moncton are A1 organization. And we had good services, obviously not at the same level, which is normal. Budget are going to be different and you don't spend as much time either there. But no, I had great services in both and uh, with both teams. But obviously, as you go up in the as you go up in level in hockey, well, the services are just being exponential. Hmm. So now they end up at the top. Tell us, you know, a bit about you know how you know, your day goes and and what that looks like. You know, working with pro athletes. Uh, if you wanna, you wanna know my day. So my day is very simple. I usually uh, get to the the rink. Doesn't matter where we are. If we're home, if we're on the road around 6.30. I do my workout because that's my time of the day. <laughs> gotta do it <laughs> yeah, early. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you teach something, well, you gotta, you gotta apply it to yourself. Right. And after that, uh, 7.30, usually we start like planning our stuff in terms of like, planning our stuff in terms of like monitoring for the players. And then we get ready, the player arrive, and we're always available for them. We don't like get our stuff ready when they're there. And then you're into it with them. Like, do, how how long are pro athletes training for? Like, time wise? Uh, it, like, uh, it depends a lot. If you look at the schedule, if you look at our schedule, we got 82 games and basically like less than like 200 days. Uh, so we do a lot of like preventive work, uh, depending on like when are we playing. Usually, like trainings are 20 minutes, 20 30 minutes. But we're there in the gym every day. We always have something to work on. We always have something to get ready for. So they don't take a lot of day off. Mm-hmm. And yeah. those days off are very important because they're recovery day. They need to be ready for the next one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, we talk a lot about recovery here and the importance of taking that time, um, but also the importance of getting in your workout. So it's like it is a balance. Yeah, exactly. When you're working with uh, the athletes um, in season, you have these like 20 to 30 minutes every day almost. Uh, yeah. what, what happens um, at the end of the season? Do you do an exit with them and you know, send them on their way? Good luck for the off season. How does that work? There is an, a, there is an exit. Uh, the pro level, obviously, most of them are not, live, are not from Montreal. They're going back home. They have like their uh, trainers. So we make sure they know, like, they know, the, they know the basic. We, I know most of the trainers of the guys, so I'm able to get like some news, some news from them. And uh, but because of the CBA, we're not allowed to do any monitoring during the during the during the off season. Mm-hmm. So they're on their own, but we're we know that they're in good hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're. Um, it's a bit like younger athletes, right? They're kind of off in other hands for the season. Well, so- well, there's some that stay in Montreal and they stay with us in Brassard. 
and okay. uh, we're able to work with them all see uh, like all year long which is great yeah so then you get that full monitoring you probably like that yeah it's, it's uh it's always the best scenario for us but we we do understand that guys have family and they want to go back home and they want to go to their summer place which is totally understandable mm -hmm. yeah um okay well one of the the big things that's come up in um working with especially hockey players who you work with is the big focus in the off season on improving muscle mass especially for the teens who look up to the pros and they see how uh, muscularly they are and so this is like a big push on getting the ideal body composition or the best body composition in, in the off season. I think they're also trying in season, but it seems to be that they, they decide, okay, this is the summer where I'm going to gain, you know, 20 pounds of muscle mass. And first of all, what was your experience as a, uh, a hockey player going through? Did you ever have these aspirations? And what do you, what do you see now? Like, does it, sh does it shift at the pro level? Uh, my experience working with like really, really young athlete to pro level is well if you look at the game right now the game is all based on speed the game has been faster than ever so yes you do want to gain like muscle mass but you don't want to gain it too quickly you want to stay lean you want to make sure you're able to like end all your weight if you're gaining mass and you're slowing down while well, you're defeating the purpose so it's got to be not only muscle and uh well, obviously, when you gain muscle, uh, sometimes you can, you can gain weight. If you gain weight, well, you need to be, be able to handle that weight and skate at the same speed, if not faster. If not, there's no purpose in getting bigger. Absolutely. I can remember a time uh, in between my first, my freshman year at Cornell and my second year where I did, I think I did football training or something because I gained way too much muscle mass and went into the, the second season like slow and heavy, uh, really, really unideal. Um, so do you see that sometimes from from players coming back? It's really rare now that guys uh, show up to it because we do have good conversation with them. We always establish goal at the beginning, at the end of the season in terms of weight, in terms of like body composition mm -hmm. and what they need to improve their strength, their lower body power and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and it's really rare that like, a guy's going to show up like way too muscular and way too big because he's slowed down because they're aware that the, the main aspect for hockey player right now is their skating ability. And if they can skate fast, well, they have an advantage on everybody. Mm -hmm. So we're doing pre-education. And what are, can you share with me some warnings or some things you wouldn't do in the gym that would gain that mass? Like something in the, it always depends on like the way you handle your uh, training program, your summer training program. Like obviously if you mix a lot of like hypertrophy work and you're, you would know me better, you know better than me on this point while you, your diet is gaining a lot, like having a lot of calories and a lot of proteins and carbs. Well, obviously you might gain a little bit too much weight and tweak too quickly, which is something can be a problem really at the pro level where I've seen it more often is more at the junior level because junior they're seeing exactly those 20 years old guy. They want to really, they want to be able to battle against them in the corner while there's always like one thing at a time. You won't be, you won't be 20 years old at 16 years old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know it's a tough one for 16 year olds to swallow because they are trying to see themselves there if they're trying to play pro. Um, and so you talk about hypertrophy work in the gym, being careful with that. I know there's a lot of people listening that don't even know what that is. So, uh, first of all, to 
gains strength, there's uh, primarily two ways. There's neuromuscular, which is your nervous system in your body, or there's increasing the cross-sectional area of your muscle, which is your muscle, increasing the belly of your muscle. Hypertrophy work, which is more often uh, exercise in the range, exercise working on big muscle max, big muscle, in terms of rep range will be between six and 12. And that will be in the main goal to increase this cross-sectional area of your muscle. Hmm. And so you're putting on loads that are going to, uh, of weight that you're not going to be able to do past six to 12 times. So, um, this, and this is where you see people going wrong. Well, that's not, that's not wrong, but it's, it's if you spend your entire summer trying to gain those five, six, seven extra 10 pounds, well, you don't work anymore on your maximal strength, your power, your speed, your agility. And that's where I can see younger athletes going wrong. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend younger athletes getting a strength and conditioning coach? I recommend younger athletes to play as much sports as they can and have fun with them. So like doing uh, other sports than hockey, let's say if you're a Oh yeah, player. go play, go play soccer, basketball. They, they will develop so much many more skill than spending a full summer in the gym at 12 years old. Obviously going into the gym, let's say twice a week for an hour with a string coach is great because they will might learn like, they will learn great technique, which is very applicable later in life. But I will focus more on my time having fun in other sports, developing other skills, especially at like a very younger age. So the big emphasis you're saying should be on technique if they are getting in the gym and get out there, play soccer, play baseball, lacrosse, whatever yes, else. Because at a really young age, like 12, 13, 14, well, they won't be able to gain that many, that many strength because exactly because of the, they won't secrete any, any growth hormone or any testosterone in high level enough to exactly have this hypertrophy of their muscle. So they better focus on great technique, which will improve their neuromuscular system, where they might, break, might gain a little bit of strain over there. Oh, I think that's great advice because I know that there's a lot of like hesitation or wondering of when should I start training? And there's quite a lot of mixed uh, ideas about this. Okay, so talking about that, you know, muscles and uh, what that means, like cross-sectional area and stuff, we're getting technical, but I think technical is fun to hear about sometimes because that's what you need to understand to be coaching at the high level and to be a professional, like in strength and conditioning. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, how we are measuring body composition. And I know that's a big word for people that they don't fo like follow nutritional science or sports science or exercise science. So um, that means body composition is basically your, your body uh, leanness or fatness. So that body fat, um, it could be a, your, your muscular mass, right? Your bone density. Uh, and so do you want to talk about you know, the different uh, ways you measure. And, I, and you mentioned that you did a thesis on this at McGill, physical conditioning and hockey players. So that's um, pretty cool. You probably know those techniques really well. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, body composition, like you explained very well, let's keep it simple. Let's say lean mass, which is mostly your, body, your muscle mass and fat mass, which is mostly your fat. Let's keep, let's keep it there, which is going to be easier. Uh, for most athletes, I would say that we use a skin fold, which is like the pinching one that we pinch uh, throughout, pinch at nine sites, six sites, depending on your technique, throughout your body. Mm -hmm. uh, 
this is a great technique because it's very user friendly. If you find somebody that is certified or find somebody that's like, have been doing it a lot and they're well trained, well, they're going to be able to give you reliable and valid results over time. If you do have the advantage of having a, lab or a laboratory somewhere, well, obviously the gold standard right now is the DEXA scan. The DEXA yeah. scan is just a big bed, having a, you're just lying down on the big bed for seven minutes. Scans going over you and it's able to give you your fat mass, your berlin mass, your bone density, bone density, your water level, and the water level that will depend on the model. That's true, but it will give you all those all those metrics in different in the different region. So, what would you say? Uh, do you have Do you have anyone come to you and ask you? how does this information I get from the DEXA scanner, this you know, fancy tool that not that many people have access to, um, how does it relate to the body fat scale that I may have at home? Well, uh, it will give you, how does it relate? Mm -hmm. Like, can I use the body fat scale at home for the same? So in terms of like, where do you, yeah. let's say, where do you, the body fat scale at home is great. If you, only have, if you only have access to this, it's gonna give you a good information. That, the main thing about like, let's say at the younger level and even like at a pro level, where can you get your information? If it's the only thing you have access to, well, might as well use it at, at its best and not try to get a fancy tool once, uh, once every three years. If you have a scale at, at home, well, and that you can use it every week, mm -hmm. the tool that you have, great. If you have a scan that you have access every three months, well, it's, it's greater, it's even great because you're going to be able to see if your scale is matching what you can see on the scan and you're going to be able to see where the results are, are arriving. Let's say you've been working a lot your legs lately while well, you're going to see if, you can get, if you're gaining any muscle mass at the leg level or it's mostly true your entire body. Mm -hmm. So do you find that it's um, helpful for people to be doing these kinds of measurements on their own or is it better that the professional be involved in, because you talk about the leg mass there and working on the legs, do you think people are knowledgeable enough to be able to put those things together or should we not be at home doing it ourselves? Uh, I think it's, it's great to be able to do it by yourself, but it's always great to have a professional working with you. Like I know, uh, let's say you're a dietitian. My, I know my nutrition quite well. I took classes in this during my undergrad and I still like keep up to date with the most information. But if I want advice, I'm gonna go see our, our dietitian because mm -hmm. he is the best person I can find to give me a solution. That's, that's what I would say to a younger athlete. Always find the best solution that you can have mm -hmm. and use it. Yeah, I worry, I worry, I don't, I wonder sometimes if all these tools, they're really interesting because we love them as scientists, but then the, we use them in such different ways than you know, somebody would at home. And there is a big emphasis on body composition at the pro level. You know, do you have that ideal composition for your performance? Um, maybe you can speak to that a bit. Uh, yeah. Well, there, there's, all, there's no, I would say there's no perfect body composition because everybody is different. It's like there's no perfect diet. There's always the like different limitation that you gotta like, you gotta adjust for every, every player that we have in our team. So we work with them. We like to know what they, what they feel comfortable, which weight they're feeling comfortable, which body fat percentage they're feeling comfortable at. 
and we're working around this to make sure they're the best athlete possible when they jump on the ace. Mm -hmm. So I like that you said that because there, there is no one, there is no one. So um, what's then the important piece then? How does body composition, how should we be using it to help us be better athletes? Well, body composition is a big tool for being a better athlete because when you look at like, let's say when you look at the primary skill for a player right now, skating, which means speed, if they're carrying too much biofat, well, obviously it's going to slow, slow them down. That's, uh, that's pure science, but that's as well pure logic. So we work a lot with this, but at the same time, if they're too skinny or too lean, they won't be able to go through an 82 game season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I get that. I mean, like you said, it's logic. So uh, just reminding people, I guess, that this, let's just keep it logical and you don't need to get on the scale every day. Um, that's what I would, I would hope yeah, people you, are not doing that. You, you don't need to be worried about your weight going up or, going up or pounds every day. Mm-hmm. That's, not a, that's not to be something to be worried about. The importance is being methodical. So adding a method. So being like, let's say, this is say you, this, you, uh, you either work with a strength conditioning coach or even you're working with a dietitian and you establish that like, you're waiting every Monday of the week. Mm-hmm. Well, you try to keep this in the same order. So if you wait at 8 o'clock in the morning, well, just try to wait at 8 o'clock every Monday in the morning. This way you're going to be able to track correctly and to be able to have a good result and see what is happening throughout your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We are, I love the, the, having the plan, having a way to track, um, because I think people just launch into it. Like I have this big idea. I want to gain, you know, X amount of pounds or just, I want to be this certain weight because there's a player I follow that is that weight. And it's really like a finding your personal best path. Exactly. Everybody's different. Yeah. Well, um, I think the, the body composition piece is huge. I'm glad you shared with us there a bit. Um, is there anything you would say uh, to families, uh, parents, or players listening about you know what you've uh, learned about being a, an athlete yourself? Like a tips of advice, what you would tell your younger self? Well, I would like to tell. Uh, oh, very easy. Oh, very easy, and it's very simple actually. Your kids love playing hockey. They love playing sports. Most of them do, which is great. Let them embrace it. Obviously, if they want to push it further, help them, but make sure they keep having fun to it. When I have, a, when I have, let's say, even from younger athlete to pro players, when they come to the gym, they need to have fun. They need to have fun every day, even if there's their work or it's not their, their job. They need to have fun over there because when you lost the fun part, it's done. It's over. So obviously they're going to work hard. It's not going to be easy. It's not every day you're going to want to go through it, but it needs to stay fun 99% time. 90% of the time. Sorry about that. It's all good. You've been tremendous. Um, definitely giving us some fun insights into your world. And I know that we are going to have some ears perking up listening to you because you are basically working you know, with the athlete they aspire to be. Uh, any, uh, any advice to those, you know, youth listening, those players that I know, we know you got it. We know you just got to work hard um, about what it takes to make it. Obviously, like, if you look on my side of the plate, well, 
to be a good hockey player, yes, you need to be skilled. Yes, you need to work hard. You need to be a good athlete as well. There's few hockey players that makes it that are not really good athletes. By good athlete, I mean like moving well, being lean. But at the same time, all of this needs to stay fun. Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing with us your wisdom. And, uh, you know, we look forward to, you know, seeing what cool things you're, are going to transpire and uh, following along in, uh, in your career and what you got going on. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Super Sports Mom podcast this time. My wish is that you feel more empowered than ever to live your dream sports life. If you get inspired from this message, amazing. Share it with a friend and pass that inspiration along. I can't wait to share the next adventure with you. See you next time.